Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good morning. This is Sanjay Ture here at the Business Radio X studio, and I'm here with Corey from Tuesdays with Corey. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing great, Sanjay. Thank you. How was your morning? Outstanding. Yeah. How was the commute? Everything's good? Mm -hmm. No interruptions, no drama. So everything's good. So tell me who you have in the station today. Well, today we're pleased to have Jill Heineck, who is the founder of Heineck & Company. And Jill is a leading authority on corporate relocation and is highly sought after in the real estate industry for her acumen and business insight. Jill, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. But Jill, you haven't always been in Atlanta, have you? No, I'm originally from Cape Cod and college in Boston and then migrated south like a lot of northerners have. Yeah, like me, you escaped the uh, the winter. Yes. <laughs> what ended up bringing you to Atlanta? At the time, it was the job market. Um, I was young, single, out of college, and um, it was a little bit before the Olympics were coming, and there was a frenzy of young professionals coming to the Atlanta market, and uh, I had great traction here with resumes and interviews, and that's what landed me here. I moved here in April of 97, and my experience is very similar. I I know a lot of companies are relocating here, which I'm sure is helpful for your business, and it seemed like there were a lot of transplants here, but not really, it it seemed like there were more transplants here back in April of 97 than there were people that actually grew up and, and, and lived here. Oh, it was hard to find a native. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I, I found that that was uh, kind of that was kind of cool because you know you had people that s- sort of shared similar experiences, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it made people more open to helping. Absolutely. Um, so, you grew up in Boston. Mm-hmm. How is how is Boston different than Atlanta? Other than the other than the weather, we I think we have a pretty good beat on that. I would say uh, for me, p- particularly at that time, uh, Atlanta was much more open, had a lot more opportunity available. At the time, I was seeking positions in advertising and public relations. Um, Regardless of what metro you're in, it's a very tight tight community um, in the advertising and PR community, um, but felt very much more closed in in Boston. And I just had a lot more opportunity to meet people and connect and network in the Atlanta market. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that you did an effective job of connecting. I mean, having known you, um, you know, you communicate very straightforwardly, very direct, which I enjoy, uh, I like. And tell us how you decided to build Heineken Company. What Was there a jumping off point? Was there a series of events that led you to start your organization? Yes. Um, so going back to right around the Olympics time, probably about a year before that, uh, I was working in actually sports marketing, fitness marketing. And um, a lot of our friends at the gym were starting to invest in real estate because of how the market was just booming and people were making hand over fist, fists of cash. Um, And so we decided that we wanted to try it. And that was pre-licensed, pre-anything, barely had been in Atlanta. And so bought this old house in downtown Atlanta, way downtown and <laughs> made a an effort at making this house the most beautiful house in the neighborhood. So let me ask you something. Uh, are you handy? No. <laughs> 
So herein lies part of the problem, right? This is why we're going to get along so well because, you know, full disclosure, I can't build anything or put anything together either. That's funny to you. That's really funny, actually. It is. I, I, okay. But I'm sorry. Continue. That's okay. So um, my husband, who is on the handy side, um, in three months, he turned this very, very bad piece of property into a shining masterpiece. And we had over 300 people interested in either renting or buying the property. But when they saw that we were the best house on the worst block, we got nobody. So for 18 months, we carried this property, showed it a ton. But because we didn't really know what we were doing, we were stuck. And so I had to go back to the investor that sold me the property. And I just said, look, I know you know what happened here. You sold me the property, knowing exactly what happened here. So I'd like you to help me find a buyer who's at least going to buy me, buy it back for the note. And he found an investor who happened to grow up in the neighborhood, and she felt very confident she could rent it, and she went ahead and took it off my hands. So the moral of the story is um, I needed to know more, and I did not want to see this happen to anyone else, yeah. which is the entree into becoming a residential realtor, an advisor, a guy, someone who's going to guide you through maybe stay away from that neighborhood or, you yeah. know, are, if you're not handy, let's not do this project. Well, you said something that I think that uh, is very, very important to me. If, if you buy a property, uh, it seems like it would be easy to turn it into a masterpiece. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. And that may not be what's necessary to uh, get money out of it or to make income from it. And to me, that seems like, is that a mistake that you see people make? a lot in people that buy houses for investments and try to flip them? I mean, maybe first-time folks? No, I see them going the opposite direction. <laughs> Not doing enough. Correct. Really? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about overbuilding or over-improving, we're seeing that more of if that's your primary property and you're not thinking about long-term, are you, are you putting too much money into it for the neighborhood? Um, when we're investors, when we're working with investors, we're seeing that maybe they're not going to put enough in because they want to keep their profit margins, you know, on the fatter side, which we all understand. Yeah. But at some point, you can't you can't necessarily cut corners on every every transaction. So, what are the if somebody is selling a house uh, for the listenership out there, what what are two of the prime areas that they should consider where they could get the most return on their money for improving? I think the the hot up and coming areas right now um, that I'm seeing are still further up 400 um, coming 14, 15, 16. It's mm. just the metro area keeps expanding outwards. Um, we're also seeing East Atlanta. And I'm also seeing a lot of work happening over Norcross Peachtree Corners. Mm. What about specifically if a person, if a client of yours wanted to sell their house and they say, hey, Joe, where? If I, had to make, if I were to make improvements on my house, what council, what's con what are the two areas that people most commonly focus on? Because I've always heard like the master bath, that's in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Kitchens and baths. You're going to see about 92 to 98% really? of your return on investment when you focus there. That's where people are living in their kitchens and yeah. they want to feel um, luxurious in their bathrooms. <laughs> So we're seeing higher end finishes in masters and even um, hall baths um, just because it feels good. It feels like that's um, they want to show it off when their guests come. 
Um, and it's also, you know, in, it's personal enjoyment too. You're going to do that and you're going to stay there for a while and enjoy it and not just renovate to sell. Yeah. Well, it seems like uh, from knowing you that you and Charlie have formed a very, very good team. Uh, Charlie's extremely handy, can kind of do things. And that to me seems like it would be extremely valuable to someone like you that is sort of more out in front, uh, you know, selling homes, making relationships. And then you have somebody that has all that knowledge mm -hmm. to go back and make whatever it is you're buying or selling beautiful. Yeah. So we've actually formed a, quite a network. He focuses on the residential yeah. interior and exterior painting piece. He can do um, light carpentry work, deck work and things like that. So I always recommend him as one of two or three vendors that the, you know, the client can talk to. Um, and, and I would say probably a majority of the time he's getting the work. Um, that doesn't surprise me knowing him. Yeah, he's... That's good on him. He's fantastic, and he, he guarantees all his work, so it's it's been a good partnership for us. Um, but we also partner with general contractors who don't, you know, who can fill in the holes where he can't, you know, the things that he doesn't do. So it's been a good partnership. How has your, your college degrees in uh, communications, how has that helped you with what you're doing now, building your company? I think the number one thing the number one thing that has helped a lot is um, being able to communicate um, candidly to a client. You candid? <laughs> um, transparency is one of yeah. our cornerstones. And, you know, I would rather be upfront now than have to backpedal later. It's no good for me. It's no good for the client. It's terrible for the situation. Yeah. So let's just get it all out on the table. Let's do a ton of follow-up um, yeah. and that's where a lot of the candor is sometimes you don't get it all accomplished at the meeting in person and you have to follow up and that's where the candor is appreciated on most most times so you and charlie are pr some pretty significant integral parts of your business do you have a team do you have people that support you that that gather all the information that kind of dot the i's and cross the t's uh do you yes have, so for about that. so for heineken company um which is my real estate practice under the Keller Williams Realty umbrella. Um, we have a team of about five or I think we have six admin now, and they're split up into um, marketing, a uh, four-person marketing team, and um, a two-person contract closed team. So when a, con when a property goes under contract, then we turn it over to our contract to close team. And they help me stay and the clients and all the vendors involved with getting a transaction to the closing table. They're helping us make sure that we're, you know, all our milestones are, are noted and um, everyone's aware of what they need to do. Yeah, that's, that, that's great. So tell us, tell us a little bit, if you would, uh, your marketing team, what, what do they do? Are they writing content for you? Are they blogging or uh, how are, exactly are they helping you? They're split. So I have a listing marketing team that helps to just market properties specifically. Mm. Um, so they are assisting with market, you know, writing marketing copy, um, mm. creating and designing beautiful brochures. And we do hardcover storybooks about each property. Um, so they have a lot of work cut out for them. Um, in, in, in addition to making sure that we are those properties are present online everywhere they can mm. be. Um, and then the other part of the company, uh, the marketing team, is promoting the company. So, yes, they are working on website updates. They're making sure that our um, reviews are connected to our website. They're making sure that we are blogging on a, um, on a weekly or biweekly basis. Yeah. They're helping us write monthly e-newsletters. Um, 
It's everything crosses my desks. Um, it is coming from me. They are just helping me shape it beautifully and and get it out. Yeah, it sounds like you have a, a great team behind you to do the heavy lifting and uh, you can sort of check off uh, you know what's going out mm-hmm. with it has your name on it. Um, right. That obviously speaks to the level of business you're doing. Mm-hmm. How, how has your business evolved in the last 20 years? Well, it went from me <laughs> to to a an executive assistant um, and an operations person, which you know made a big difference in me being able to go out and actually deliver the services that I promised. Um, because really, it's more about me connecting with the client on yeah. a regular basis and making sure that they feel cared for. And so, when I have somebody helping me on the back end, it's easier. Um, for me to take care on the front end with the clients. So the evolution has been um, really finding specialists rather than just one operations manager. So that's why we've split um, our marketing team into two teams. And that's why we have a separate transaction team helping us from contract to close. And we realized that we really didn't need one person, an ops manager, an EA doing everything. Mm. So it's just kind of, you know, you live and learn. And these are the lessons I learned. And even though Gary Keller, the visionary of Keller Williams, um, you know, put together a guideline on how to build your real estate business and the first critical hire would be an EA, not everybody necessarily fits into that model. And I learned that after trying it for probably eight years. Yeah. So you have, they have very, very specific duties that they form. Correct. And they're maybe more along the lines of technicians. And if your business is a pie and the marketing is, you know, an eighth of a slice mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. I think that's very, very important mm-hmm. to you as the owner and, and, and as the person that's driving the direction of the company to say, okay, here are the results we need. Here are the tasks. Mm-hmm. Here's a, a pecking order of when they need to be done. And, and here's, and it sounds like you've done that. They're specialists in their space. Yeah. So what I love is that I, they usually come trained you know, they, I've hired people who are trained in those areas and we're just kind of honing what the Heineken company way is for them. So they understand how I want to be positioned. And, and that's really it. I'm not having to micromanage them. They, they pretty much take that's the ball good. and run with it. Well, and that is my management style. But don't you think that that's a byproduct of you having the experience? Okay. I sort of know what I don't want. Mm-hmm. And now exactly. I, okay, here's exactly what I need to, to move the ball forward. And it, it sounds like you've done a very good job of building a friction-free work environment for you. So you can throw your fastball during the day and do what you do best, and, and others can do what they do best behind you to make sure things get done in a, an effective, efficient fashion. Is, right. that, is that accurate? Yes. So how do you self-renew? You know, you've been successful for 20 or 21 years. Um, how do you hit the reset button? How do you get ready for your day? I know there's probably four questions in there. <laughs> so you mean on a daily basis? Yes. Okay. Um, every morning, uh, the first thing I do is um, I do a little bit of journaling and I'm at the gym. What kind of journaling? So it's just really, it's a grateful journal and just grateful for the day before. So any little thing that has come across my day that, you know, you don't typically take a mindful moment to appreciate it. And so I take that moment in the evening um, or in the morning, depending on the scheduling. Yeah. 
and and journal about it. And you know whether it's grateful that I have an able body to go to the gym this morning, or thankful that this person called off my website, whether or not it turns into business or not, I'm just grateful that the opportunity is presented itself. Um, so, and then working out and knowing that um, I'm taking care of myself really yeah. helps set the day up for me. Yeah, I think there, there's a lot to be said for gratefulness. And you think about, um, you know, one of the things that uh, gets talked about is it can really shape your day. If you start out grateful, it can shape your thinking. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times, uh, business owners, the biggest battle they fight is the four inches between their ears. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, it seems to me that being grateful at the beginning of the day can help you shape the day. Uh, I find that a lot of successful people that have been on this show, they have a routine, they, mm -hmm. they, they journal, they're grateful, they work out in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what kind of working out do you do? I know you do a, a faction of things, but just boil it down for us. I just cross train. Um, so I'm doing um, the Orange Theory concept. I'm also doing... That looks like it's hard. It is hard, um, but it's made a hu huge difference in the way I feel, the strength level, um, sleeping better at night. That's good. Um, I cycle on the off days, and then maybe once a week I will just go to the gym and do kind of a multi-tasking workout. Um, so how many days a week are you doing Orange Theory? I'm probably doing that three to four. And you do that, what, 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m.? That is, um, that's a 6 a.m., and then the cycling is 5.30 or 5.45. Yeah. All very, very strong. And, and clearly, you keep yourself in excellent condition. I think that that is also an incredible, uh, that's a very important part, doing the exercise, getting out, being grateful. The I think it really, do you find that it helps prepare you better mentally when you work out in the mornings? Yes. I am spent in the afternoons. Um, I also want to be available for any things that come up during yeah. the day. And, you know, that's also part of what Gary Keller kind of set the tone with me 20 years ago when I joined the company is that you want to get all your important things out before lunch, before one o'clock in the afternoon and everything thereafter you can respond to instead of, you know, react. Um, so you have you have really set your intentions for the day by starting that way. And that's something he does also. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, I used to have old coach, an old coach that would say, well, you know, Rick, you're not as, uh, you're not as good as you think you are mm -hmm. and you're not as bad as they say you are mm -hmm. you're usually somewhere in the middle. And I think working out really helps the mental component, which mm -hmm. is, I think very important when you're, uh, when you have your own shingle and you're doing, uh, you're doing your business, whatever that may be. That's right. What, how is the business evolved itself? You know, because in the '90s, we're certainly we're certainly in a different place technologically than we are now. Mm -hmm. And um, you seem to be very well versed in putting information out there uh, to cultivate folks, nurture folks. Talk to us about that. I've never been afraid of the interwebs. <laughs> um, people were afraid, you know, when uh, Zillow and Trulia showed up. That you know, things like those. Those websites and, and people would just be online before they'd ever call an agent ever again. And to be honest with you, I've embraced it. Um, it's not going away. And, you know, if you're not moving with it, then you're going to lose it. Um, so for me, embracing it and figuring out how it fits into my whole marketing strategy, how it's in 
you know, service delivery and that kind of thing has been really helpful. So the evolution has been from people paging me to go see properties to people screenshotting um, properties they see on Zillow and saying, can you help us with some background on this? Should we go see it? So it's really only helped the business. Yeah. Um, there's nothing intimidating about it to me. Um, I love competition. <laughs> There's plenty of Gee, it. Yeah, I never would have picked up on that. <laughs> There's plenty of it in the marketplace, whether it's in person, you know, other brokerages or online. So there's there's plenty of business to go around. Well, and I think you have to have so much going on that you don't get attached emotionally to this deal or that deal. Not to the deal. I want to serve the client. So we're working at um, making sure that during the we're engaged with the client that they are experiencing the most the easiest, smoothest, um, getting their information as quickly as possible. Access is there. Um, so that's what we're focused on. If they, you know, if we show them five houses or 50, that's, we don't care. It's just a matter of making sure that they're cared for and that they're making the right decisions. One thing that one of the, of the, all the things I've been impressed with, and there are a number of them with you, it, it, you get a lot of repeat customers. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that one reason would be uh, our response to any hiccups that might come up during a transaction. So we know that nothing's 100% smooth all the time. Yeah. So when something comes up, we have a plan for response. Um, obviously, we're going to, you know, if it's something that we miss in a contract, it's our bad. We're going to take care of that right away. Um, that very rarely happens, but we have a team in place. We have an attorney on retainer. There's a lot of things that we can do to assuage the situation mm. quickly. Um, we don't like to let things just kind of play itself out. We just want to nip it in the bud. So I think that would be one main reason. The other is um, I'm, I'm very flexible with a client's scheduling. So people travel for work. They work from home. We have a lot when we're listing property. We have to work with scheduling like that, and we're very flexible. There's nothing hard and fast. Uh, there's no hard and fast rules mm. about that. So... We just are on a case-by-case -case basis, and I think clients appreciate that. To me, there are a lot of differentiators that you, that you have. To me, you come across as being very, very straightforward to buy or sell with. Mm -hmm. um, you've, I picked up that you're very data-driven. Mm -hmm. Where exactly do you get your data, and who, comp who compiles it? How do you go about getting that? We're very fortunate with Keller Williams, particularly in our, um, in our Atlanta region, where they... Um, value the data tools um, enough to give to all of our to have give the agents access to therefore serve the client mm. at a higher level so when we're talking to you about your house we have already seen probably five or six around your house and we already know what they're offering um, as and then we can compare it you know intelligently to your property mm -hmm. and how you stack up um, so the data comes from statisticians that we hire um, that compile the, the information on a monthly basis. Um, we also have other other uh, services that we have access to so that we're comparing apples to apples and we have all the right data that's real-time data. Mm. Um, in addition to, you know, again, seeing the properties that are competing. Or if you're, you know, a buyer, we're looking at probably the same statistics only in a different light because when you're buying, you're looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, but we're also seeing the other properties that are competing against the one you might like, and we already know how they stack up and how we should craft a strategic offer. So you you are really kind of, uh, on some level, is it fair to say that you're a conduit with the data uh, to the client to help 
assimilate it in a way that makes sense for the client so yes. they can figure out, hey, what what should we sell our place for? Yes. What should we offer on that mm -hmm. place? Uh, it seems like data is, uh, with your organization, especially readily available. And it seems like you do an excellent job of compiling it, summarizing it, and just, you know, for me, I just, just tell me what to do. Right. Right. Isn't that kind of the ideal client? And hey, that's how I am as a client. I want you, you're the specialist. You tell me what you think I should do now that we've talked about this yeah. data. Yeah. Now that you've seen my house, now that you've seen the market, what do you think? And, and the interesting thing about data is that, you know, it is facts. They are facts. Um, the thing about real estate is that really it is an art, not a science. So we are using some scientific data yeah. to kind of craft this beautiful piece of art, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> um, and see if the market's going to respond to it. Um, and so what we do is we we do the best that we can to come out with a realistic price for the marketplace and then see how the market responds. And then we respond accordingly. So in the first two weeks, if we're not getting any traction at all, then we reconvene with the client and we discuss how can we reposition this property without wasting too much market time. To me, it, it relationships are extremely important, especially for things that I don't know anything about. Um, you know, your CPA, that's an important relationship. Your uh, hairstylist, that's an important relationship. And a realtor, just, there's so many moving parts. Uh, you know, me personally, I, I, I have no interest in using Trulia or Zillow because I want to talk to somebody because right. I have questions you know, somebody that gives me the data, I'm like, okay, well, what's the strategy? What do we need to do given the circumstances? And, and to me, that is what you do is so valuable there. If not for just being, you know, an independent third party, taking independent third party data and saying, hey, here's the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think we should do. You've right. got 21 plus years of experience in this. To me, I, I think it's really crucial to have somebody like you to help with those kinds of decisions. Mm -hmm. With all of the companies relocating here. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have sort of subspecialized uh, with Relo, um, that to me seems like it would the opportunity has to be very good for you, especially given the fact that you've been successful for so long. It is. Um, it's a very vibrant marketplace and companies are continuing to come to Atlanta. I mean, I've been here since May of 94 and it was exploding before then. It was yeah. kind of about 91, 92. Um, as far as I back, I can remember. Um, but Atlanta's not slowing down. No. It is not slowing down. Um, the Economic Development Committee and Council at the Metro Atlanta Chamber and all the um, the other submarket chambers are constantly on the move selling Atlanta and its submarkets. So we know that this is just going to continue. Um, whether or not the infrastructure can handle is another question. Yeah. But I will sell them houses all day long. <laughs> well, it seems like uh, it seems like the market for what you do. Um, you're, is it fair to say that you're somewhat insulated from market circumstances because people are always relocating here? It seems to me like that would be advantageous to you to sort of have made the decision to subspecialize. And hey, there are companies that they relocate their executives here. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's you know Mercedes or some of these other companies. Right. Uh, that to me seems like it was a very shrewd move, and then. Then you're meeting with people that are, you know, C-suite type executives, which I'm sure is, you know, sort of in the wheelhouse, right? It is. Um, I kind of fell into relocation when I was um, a baby agent, first on the scene, and I was mentoring under a seasoned agent who specialized in relo, and I just thought it was fascinating because at the time, they were like on a two or three day mission to buy a house, and so it was like they flew in 
and they flew out and they made a they, they made an offer and probably were under contract before they ever left Atlanta again. Hmm. Um, so that was attractive to me. Hmm. Um, the other thing about Relo was that I got to learn so many different markets because I was all over the Atlanta marketplace um, because Relo had taken me everywhere. So the benefit to clients now is that I know so many of these sub markets. Um, and it's easy for me to be able to kind of say, okay, I think this property's overpriced or you should price here. Um, and, and that's just, you know, kind of a result of having all that experience all around the Atlanta market with those companies. It, it seems like the re, the relocation deals is the time frame sort of more compressed. Usually um, on the buy side, they, they typically want you to make a decision quickly. Um, they know the close the contract to close periods anywhere between 30 to 45 days. So they want you to make a decision on a property fairly quickly. And then they know, you know, inside of 60 days, you'll be in the, in the property because they want to limit their outgo of per diem and temporary housing and flights and all of this thing, um, spousal visits and et cetera, et cetera. So they want to limit that expense. Um, on the list side, they typically are giving, you know, 90 days for you to sell the property, um, yourself in some very rare cases anymore, companies will buy it from you so that you can move on. Um, but that's, it's not happening as much anymore. I would think with these companies that are relocating here or they want to build uh, a headquarters here or an office here, I, I would think that having a relationship with someone like you would be incredibly advantageous just for the sake of ease of doing things. Hey, here's our person, you know, her company is going to help you find the right house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Given what I've seen, you're able to put together a lot of information and, and, you know, when somebody comes in for a couple of days, you already sort of have a game plan for them, right? Always have a game, game plan. I, usually if I have lead time and typically nowadays we're getting good lead time. Um, Which is what, Jill? I mean, ideally it would be nice to have four to five days bef before someone plans on being here at 10 o'clock on a Thursday. I want to know the week before yeah. so I can verify availability, look at all the market stats, potentially preview some of the property mm. so that we're not wasting time yep. um, and that kind of thing. So lead time is the best um, to give, you know, to serve the client in the easiest fashion and to, to accomplish getting, you know, a contract under underway. Um, but I will say that, you know, working in relocation has been, truly a blessing um the companies oh, so. the companies just um really appreciate somebody who is a certified relocation specialist which you don't find a lot of in this marketplace um everyone who works with uh, buyers who are relocating or sellers who are relocating might call themselves a relocation specialist but i've been through many certification classes um and i actually have the certification from our global relocation Council. That seems to be, to me, that seems very valuable. It is, but I think a lot of uh, corporate clients who don't necessarily know Relo very well or kind of are, that's part of what they do. It's not their focus. They don't really know about that and mm. they don't know what differentiates a certified relocation professional or, you know, they don't know the difference between the two especially because they haven't actually experienced the service. Yeah. Well, so it seems like you're, you're, you're shaking and moving. I mean, if you mm -hmm. have a client and there's a four to five day lead time and, and they're flying in and you got to make some decisions, that to me seems, it, it lends itself to your business being extremely brisk. Mm -hmm. And it 
also lends itself to being nimble. I mm -hmm. think, uh, you know, the fact that you have four or five or six admin people behind you, it allows you to move quicker. Exactly. Moving at the speed of business. Exactly. That's an old saying I just made up. I like right. it. I like it too. <laughs> you're going to use it and you're not going to give me credit for it. Done. Right? <laughs> uh, you've done a really good job. It seems to me that you're very high touch, very, very high service. To me, that would be extremely valuable if you're a C-suite executive coming in. They don't want to waste time either because they're only here for a short period of time. They don't want to misspend the company's money. You probably, are you corresponding with them prior to them getting here to kind of give them some ideas of what they have? Absolutely. Or? In some cases, six months out. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're having conversations about schools because they're waiting to get the kids finished school and then they're going to come and um, what are we doing for temporary housing and are we willing to do that until we find the right house or are we just ready to pull the trigger? So we're having consult calls pretty much, you know, uh, weekly, um, prior to getting here. But, um, you know, I, with the companies that give me at least six months out, I can help, you know, we, we've been done some mini team moves, um, that have been much more, um, palpable in terms of, you know, accommodating timelines when I have lead time. Mm. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're talking a lot. You've built a strong business that is mostly based on referral. Yes. Um, you're getting some business through other means. Mm -hmm. How how big of a role does social media play in getting your business and, and you getting clients? It's huge. Um, how so? For me, it's been um, – I'm one of those people that like to show the multi-dimensions, the, the multi-dimensional me rather than spewing real estate data all day long or posting listings all day or – you know, talking about accolades and things of that nature. I, that's just not me. I just want, I want to connect with people on a level where they feel like they can relate to me. And so a lot of the things that I talk about on social media, you know, I pepper in some business things, yeah. but it's talking about lifestyle. It's talking about, I, I'm a, my husband and I love to go out to eat. So we are going to the next hot restaurant. We're talking about that. Um, we're travelers. We love the beach. Um, I'm, I'm a wine connoisseur. So we talk about things that people are interested in and try to tie that into the lifestyle of, you know, where is your house going to be located? Is it going to be near the food, the foodie places that you want to go, places I've tried? <laughs> well, it seems to me you're giving the universe an opportunity to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is very, very important and many times missed because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're... If you're talking about your accomplishments and so on and so forth, you know, that's just chest thumping. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, uh, you know, and sometimes that can be off-putting, but I think if you're giving people the opportunity to get to know you, whether it's talking about restaurants, which, by the way, that's helped me because my wife and I love to go out to eat mm -hmm. also, uh, that's kind of cool. That's something that, you know, that resonates with a lot of the people that you're relocating. So I'm sure that that is a way for them to get to know you. The vacations, uh, that's, that's cool mm -hmm. because I think people want to know that, to me, I want to know that the, whoever I'm dealing with and giving my money to is, I want to know that they're well-rounded. I mm -hmm. want to know that we share similar interests. And I think that you do a very effective job of, of putting that out there for whatever it's worth. Thank you. How did you come to, you seem to do an excellent job with balance. You know, people talk about this whole work-life balance mm. thing. And I know we all talk about it, but mm -hmm. I always wonder <laughs> who's really doing it. There's no such thing as balance. If you're working full-time in your, in your company, um, in your job, it's, you're just working more than you're doing anything else. Um, 
for most people that I've talked, dedicated professionals, that's what's happening. That's just what it is. That's just how we are. We're in a 24-7, 365 type of work atmosphere now with, with technology, and that's just what it is. So for me, um, you know, kind of disconnecting, um, it happens. It doesn't happen often, and that's only because I choose not to. I mean, if I'm on the beach answering calls, I'm good with that. A lot of the time, because I do have an infrastructure in my business, I can be gone and and take a little bit of time off. Um, looking at the ocean and putting together three deals is my kind of work day. Yeah. <laughs> so I get the combination of time off and whatnot. Um, some people would rather just disconnect completely, and and I and they have great success with that. That's just not what how I disconnect. But the balance for me is my scenery, my environment, yeah. if I can get out of my everyday and still possibly stay connected and or work, I'm good with it. You seem to have done a very good job of building a team behind you. Was it hard to give that control away to those people? Absolutely. How did you deal with it? Poorly. <laughs> um, I was a mess when I was, you know, trying to do it like every, every other company had done it. Um, and other real estate, big real estate teams had done it. It, it was very difficult um, to let go of the reins. Um, I was concerned because my name was on the door. My name was on the business. My name was on every contract. And if they messed up, I was liable. liable. It, you know, people are, you know, mindset was, and this is probably for a lot of realtors, um, they're calling for me. They want me. I, I'm the only one that can do it. Um, but this is why I had a business coach. This is why I coached with Gary Keller's number two for a while, um, went through the coaching programs to learn how to focus on my 20% and let the 80% go to the specialists who know what they're doing to back me up and make me look good. So honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I'd be today. Um, they take care of me so well. And I, in turn, um, try to do the same thing for them. You know, well, congratulations for crossing that bridge. I know that that's a the control is a is a very difficult thing to uh, give up on and well to give up. And part of it can be addressed by planning out whatever that person is supposed to be doing so well that okay, here it is. Mm -hmm. And planning isn't part of it. Planning it out so well that look, here's what you got to do. Here's the ten tasks that have mm -hmm. to be done. Here's the order. And I would imagine you probably have done that. Mm -hmm. And the bigger picture is you're probably walked away after these per people got going, and, and I should have done that years ago, right? Absolutely. I should have done that a long time ago, uh, hindsight being 2020. But it But it allows you to operate more friction-free, which I yes. think is really important for owners. Mm -hmm. How? What is the thing you like best about what you do? That's a good question. Because there's so many things that I enjoy. Um, I would you seem to really enjoy that. That comes through. Uh, knowing you, interacting with you, seeing you present, uh, it seems like you really do enjoy what you do, that you feel strongly and passionate about it. I do. I think you're going to think this sounds crazy, but I really love the, um, the energy behind prepping for an appointment and knowing that everything that I'm bringing to the client is going to blow the competition out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get through consultations where clients say, nobody has ever shared this information with yeah. us. It's all information that we have. It's just, are you leveraging it to for the client's benefit? And, and, and bringing it to their attention now rather than backpedaling later. Um, 
I love that prep period where I'm getting together and I said, this is what my strategy is going to be for this client, yeah. for this property, knowing what I know now. Now that could change after the consult. Um, but I love that, um, both on the listing and the buying side. And um, I think just, you know, obviously the closing celebration is so much fun. Um, we take pictures, we're giving gifts, we're just, we're just so happy that we were able to kind of walk that path together and, and get to the culmination of everything we've been talking about. Yeah. It, well, there's a definite, it seems to me there's a definite beginning, middle, and end. Oh, yeah. And do you like that? I do. I, I'm, I kind of like the, I like having a format. I like having a format. So, one I'm of a planner. I'm a planner. So, format is good. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I, one of the words I would use to describe you is accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're, uh, you and Charlie are traveling and you're on the beach and you're answering f your phones and you're, kind of taking care of the kind of the main things, mm -hmm. uh, that would make an impact on me. Um, but I would also expect you to take time to recharge the batteries or whatever it is you do mm -hmm. to regenerate and, and, to, uh, uh, and to get back. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's everybody has their own self-renewing thing that they do, right. whether it's working out or reading. Um, do you find that working out helps deal with the bad, the bad things that come up. Absolutely. I mean, it, it sparks off the serotonin in your brain. Um, it gets you out of your environment. It gets you away from whatever situations are bothering you. Yeah. And I think you come back refreshed. Um, you know, I love that, you know, after workout shower, I love just, you know, what am I going to have? I'm going to have a healthy smoothie or some kind of healthy breakfast. It just resets on, on your, um, perspective on that situation or situations. Well, you have the satisfaction of knowing that you got it done right. and it's not hanging over your head no. and that if there is an opportunity to go meet somebody to catch up with them at four or five in the afternoon, you don't have to feel bad about moving your workout to the side. And that's uh, the number one reason why I do it in the morning. <laughs> well, I think that there is a lot to be gained from, uh, meeting people and, and schmoozing at night right. and catching up, uh, and it doesn't even have to be talking about business because a lot right. of times, many times business can come from it after they get to know you. That's right. And I think that that's, uh, that's an effective way to kind of be out there. Um, from where I sit after, you know, from knowing you, you seem to have, uh, you seem to have great balance mm -hmm. and whether or not you believe that I believe it. it mm -hmm. I, I, I see that you and Charlie are going out to eat. I see that you're traveling and it seems that, uh, it seems that you just have a very, very strong balance. That's the way it looks like to me. We, we, we have our own balance, right? So it's not the traditional thought of balance, um, the way we've been thinking about it for the last 20 years between balance and, and work, uh, personal and professional. It's been our own balance, and it's worked really well for us. Um, we have that flexibility, Charlie's company. We also have a team of people that support him. Mm. So, you know, it's easy, now that he, um, he has that flexibility to kind of join me on if I'm going on a conference yeah. or if we decide that we're going to just take off for the weekend um, into the mountains or right down to the beach, we have that flexibility, which it's nice to be able to look forward to something like that. Yes. I, I think it's really crucial. You mentioned that. I, I think it's really important to have something to look forward to. Yes. No matter if it's going out to eat or going on a vacation yeah. or going on a trip. Just breaks things up, kind of gives you a little bit of re renewal. So what's the next trip? What's the next thing you and Charlie are looking forward to? Well, we uh, are new grandparents. 
<laughs> so we are going to see our new grandbaby baby in March, and it's we're just going to Dallas, but it's an exciting time. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Is it hard to work with your spouse? Is it challenging? No, because we're not really in the day-to-day. He's really, we have a vendor relationship, so it's really has been, um, I mean, we work well together personally, so professionally, it's been a, a blessing, honestly, um, but because we're in a vendor relationship, it's not like he's um, in my day-to-day office and things of that nature, so it works well for us. It seems to me that that's a, that was a very good move because now you have another arrow in your quiver and, you know, you're going to come across homes that need work, that need stuff. You have somebody that you have a relationship with, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that is good at getting stuff done. And, and that to me seems like it would be another differentiator for you. Yes. Is that right? Yes. He'll come and evaluate the property. Maybe, you know, when we're on the, um, um, on the first consult, he'll come and take a look at it. Um, if we're on a listing consult and see, you know, what kind of work needs to be done. Um, we're getting that information now rather yeah. than having to wait and schedule with someone else. So it would allow you to move faster. Correct. And that's Ma- what clients love. Yeah. They want to just keep it moving, you know, in the speed of information, <laughs> which is, you know, all people, are, you know, everybody's appendage, which yeah. is their phone. Um, that's the speed of information. Yeah. And so when we have all that data up front, we can move quicker, make better decisions faster. What is an ideal client for Heineken Company? If you could wave a magic wand, what would what would it consist of? We have a couple different profiles, but I would say um, a great profile, a client profile would be um, executive, first time home buyers. Um, we, we're working with a lot of millennials that are in their late twenties, early thirties, who have been kind of stockpiling their cash. And biting the bullet and staying with mom and dad until, you know, they are zero debt, um, they're debt-free, and have a good amount of cash to put down in an area where they feel like it's going to meet their lifestyle needs. Um, So that's a great buyer profile for us. Um, On the flip side, they're also a great profile because now they're getting married and having babies, and they're ready to move up and get more space and possibly move a little bit further out because their lifestyle calls for that. Um, so I would say there, and then I'm, we're also working with, uh, a lot of, uh, young retirees. So, uh, late forties to mid fifties, um, kids are grown or in college and they're getting ready to have their life now, so to speak. So yeah. I'm doing a lot of work with people in the suburbs who are coming in town. We're buying luxury condos or, um, townhouses close in town where the action's at. So it's kind of been an interesting dichotomy. You mentioned one word at the outset of the interview, um, and, I, and, and it's made an impact on me since I've known you, but it's certainly for the listenership, I think one word that's important is connect. Yes. Your, it seems to me what I've heard uh, in knowing you is that it's important for you to connect with your client, your buyer, not meet with them, but connect. If you could give us a few sentences about how you do that, because I, I find that you are very effective doing that. How how do you connect with people that you're meeting for the first time? Or I ask a lot of questions. So I'll, you know, someone will call and say, I've been referred to you by so-and-so. I want to talk to you about listing my house. So the next question is, how many people will be moving with you? What is your wife's name? What are your kids' names? Do you have dogs? I'm just kind of laying the groundwork there to know kind of that sets the parameters of what that will lead me to believe 
you know, kind of get an idea of what we're looking for. Um, but then also, why are you moving? Are you taking a job? Are you, give me a little bit about what your position is. We're, we're delving a little bit into who they are before we jump right into, well, how much is the house I'm going to sell you or how much are we listing for? Um, I think laying the groundwork like that makes it much easier for me to connect with them and them with me. Um, they like to know that they're a person that I care about. Yeah. And it's not just about churning and burning. Yep. I've never run my business that way. Um, I'm well, not clearly, about th- not if you get people coming back buying no. from you three and four times. I'm so not about the quality. Uh, I'm sorry, not about the quantity of homes sold annually. There are some people run their business that way. That's just not my business model. It's about the quality of the relationship and earning lifetime business. Yeah, you've done a very effective job with that. I, I think that the people that get on this show, they're invited on the Tuesdays with Corey show because they're successful uh, female executives or they have been favorably referred. And for me, of all the things that stand out about you, I mean, you're easy to work with. seems to me you're doing an effective job of connecting. You have a lot of data. You boil it down. You make it easy for people to assimilate. Um, you're able to really help people because you are accessible, very, very high touch, and you move quickly. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, it's no wonder you've had the success you've had. What are some of the difficult things that you experience in your business? Um, I would say early on in my career, um, when I was actually learning the business, one of my first deals ever, um, getting so excited about having that first deal, I inadvertently had um, in the contract that a buyer was going to be paying all of her closing costs rather than the seller, which is what we had agreed to. Um, and we didn't, nobody caught it really. I caught it later on into the contract process and really had to, um, have a come to Jesus with my brokers. And it it was a, it was a hard time because I'd been mentoring for so long under a seasoned agent. And this was really going to be my first Mm. deal. And the reason why I wanted to get into real estate is that so I prevented anyone from (laughs) getting into any hot water in their real estate transaction. And, and here we were. So, um, I obviously knew what the right thing to do was, go to the client, talk to the the other agent, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's really beautiful when you see how people respond to that. So I, I mentioned to my, my client, you know, this is totally my bad, this is what happened, but I caught it, how would you like to deal with it? So, you know, obviously, th- that could be my commission. <laughs> so she, this is what the client said. The client said, I appreciate you letting me know this. I'm sorry that it happened, but why don't we do this? Talk to the other agent, see if we can all split it, split the differential. That was cool. And that was one of the coolest things that ever happened to me, ironically, in my first deal. Um, But that has stayed with me for 20 years. Yeah. Because when you just respond professionally, you're transparent, you're quick about it. This is how people respond back because they trust you and they know that you care about what you're doing. I mean, because well, she could <clears throat> see that it pained me. Um, not for the money, but for the fact that I made this mistake and it felt like a huge one. To me, that's a compliment. Uh, that's good on you because you clearly connected with that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it were me, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in a relationship. Yes. Stuff happens when humans right. get involved, mistakes get made. Right. And, and everybody makes them. Right. And, uh, 
I think if you're going to take things personally, you're going to have a long, tortured life. That's right. And stuff happens, and you just got to deal with That's it. That's right. In our pre-show prep, you had mentioned that one of the big lessons you had learned was to say no. Mm-hmm. How did you get there? How did you learn how to do that? I learned by um, accepting opportunities that maybe needed to be not my opportunity. Um, caused me angst and stress, um, which then I think impacted the service delivery to the client. Mm. Um, and so again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking yes, back on these, uh, looking back on these things, I would say I should have said no. Um, these are the these are the red flags that I missed or ignored. Um, so those are the things that I I've, I've said no to. I would say probably hundreds of opportunities over the years because I'd rather sleep at night. I'd rather know that they're being taken care of by the right people. I'm not the, necessarily the right person for everybody, and I am okay with that. Um, my style doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Um, but um, for those that do work for me with me, um, they appreciate that, and those are the people I want to work with. Yeah, sleepability is, is crucial, and being able to say no and having enough experience and I think wisdom to say, hey, this isn't in my wheelhouse, but it is over here for this person. I, I think that's good on you. Uh, I refer out a lot. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, the client may not necessarily take me up on those referrals. Sure. Um, but I have gotten many responses thereafter from clients that said, I really appreciate your professionalism yeah. and the fact that you were able to step away from this. I mean, doesn't matter the size of the the property. Doesn't matter the price point. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's do I click and connect with you? Are we on the same page? You asked me to come give you an evaluate a professional evaluation. You're not really appreciating what I'm saying. Maybe we. You mean you have clients that don't do what you tell them? <laughs> I mean, really? why am I here? Really? This this <laughs> just in. Am I here? If you don't clients don't always it. do what you tell them. <laughs> I'm here to deliver the information yeah. and help you interpret it for your benefit, yeah. to your benefit. Um, that's all I'm here for. <laughs> what You give a lot to your clients. Uh, what charities do you feel strongly about? I am very connected to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Um, I have been a past team in training running um, participant and raised 20000 over several races and it's a great organization. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and recently nominated for the Man and Women of the Year campaign here in Atlanta. Uh, we're one of 30 candidates in the 2019 class, professionals in the community that are chosen to um, help elevate ele- um, the awareness of blood cancer. And um, we also honor a little boy and girl who are uh, survivors and or patients. And um, so the goal for the campaign in 2019 is to raise, among the 30 of us, $1.6 million just in the Atlanta campaign. Um, And so Jill Hynek, (laughs) who hopes to be the 2019 Woman of the Year, uh, would like to be raising around $250,000. Yeah. In our 10-week campaign period. It, uh, the LLS, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, just great people, great cause. Uh, what they do is they train people to be that aren't endurance athletes mm-hmm. to become endurance athletes right. for half marathons, marathons, mm-hmm. uh, Ironmans, and, and various endurance events. Great people. If somebody in the listenership wanted to make a contribution to your uh, man, uh, Woman of the Year cause, how could they do that? 
Uh, the links are not live yet because our actual fundraising um, website is not live until March 29th, uh, 2019. So what we're doing right now is taking pledges, and I can um, provide a pledge form. So really it's just easy to go to heinickandcompany.com and shoot me an email through there, and um, I can send a pledge form. This is a big deal. This is a huge honor for anybody to be considered for this. Uh, clearly, Jill, that's another area that she's made a, a very significant impact in and uh, just a worthy, worthy organization uh, for that. Uh, a couple of things. Knowing what you know now with all of your business experience, if you could talk to Jill 20 years ago and give her advice, what would you tell her? Have some more money in the bank before you start your business. <laughs> I don't think you're probably the only person that's ever done that. When we when I started, the the golden rule was to have 12 months of expenses already in your bank before you start your real estate practice. Um, but because I am who I am, came to Atlanta on a one-way ticket, just thought that Atlanta was going to be my, take care of me. Um, I just, I just, you know, rolled the dice, honestly. And when, when I was that young and had that kind of fire, it probably was okay at the time. But to do it again, I don't think I could do it again. And knowing what I know now, I would tell myself, definitely heed what other people tell you. <laughs> well, it sounds like it sounds like uh, you know the Vikings uh, when they would go in and invade an island, they would uh, you know leave their ship out two or three hundred yards uh, you know from the shore, but they would burn the ship. Mm -hmm. And so, metaphorically speaking, it sounds like. You know, one-way ticket to Boston, mm -hmm. having less than 12 months of, of expense. It sounds like you kind of did that, so mm -hmm. you forced yourself to succeed. Is exactly. That, is that fair? Exactly. Mm -hmm. if, there is, uh, if there was a young woman that wanted to follow in your footsteps, what would you tell her? I would tell her to talk to as many seasoned professionals first interview them informationally. Um, I would do research. I would um, interview more than one company. Um, I would say due diligence is really, really important. And so many of us are impatient and just want to get, get, get started. Yeah. Um, but I think that doing your homework makes such a difference in laying the groundwork for your future success. Speaking of success, you've had a lot of it. You've been a tremendous guest here on the show. We wish you continued success. If the listenership wanted to get a hold of you, Jill, how would they best do it? I'd say the easiest way would be just to go to the website, Heineck and Company, and that's H-E-I-N-E-C-K and company spelled out, dot com. Um, you could also do a quick Google search and find me on Zillow um, and truliarealtor.com. Okay, very, very good. You've been a great guest. Thank you for being such a tremendous uh, resource to us and your clients. Jill, thanks so much. Thank you. This is Sanjay Ture, and that's all for today. Thank you for listening, and tune in for another episode of Tuesdays with Corey here on Business Radio X.